Praise God. That's a good place to just go ahead and worship the Father. Let him know of your deep desire and need to be close to him. Come on, let's just get every hand lifted up towards heaven right now. And let's let our wonderful Father know how much we need him, how much we love his presence. Father, we know that at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we love you today. We honor you today. We adore you today. And Father, the only thing that we need in our lives is your presence, Father. Because your, in your presence, Father, every need can be met. Healings take place in your presence. Answers to prayer takes place in your presence, Father. Everything gets fixed in your presence. And Father, that is our greatest need today, is just to be close to you. And we love you this morning. Does anyone love the presence of the Father today? Has he been good to anyone in this building? Well, no doubt about it. I want to say bon dia, Linked Up Church. I just said good morning to you in Portuguese. And so my Portuguese brother just taught me that prior to coming up here on the platform. So I thought I would kind of come out and say good morning to you in Portuguese. Uh, today is what's called National Diversity Day. And this is our first introduction into uh, celebrating this. Of course, we'll get this, we'll do this in, uh, bigger and on larger platforms, especially once we go into our own permanent space. But we at least wanted to do something this year to say that we embrace diversity, uh, we welcome diversity. And I thought one of the best things we could do was bring in a speaker who really that's their passion. And so I want to give our speaker today as much time as we possibly can. He's no stranger to me. He's actually a personal friend of mine that I bet, met back in 1993. Uh, when I purchased my first home, I went to a place doesn't exist anymore called Highland Appliance to buy a surround sound system. Somebody in here knows about Highland Appliance? Well, give a shout out to Highland Appliance in this place. <laughs> and he was the sales guy. And uh, next thing I know, I see him answering the altar call at Word of Faith, and, and then he comes up in the line, and then he comes and serves in the youth department with us, and the rest is history. He became my right-hand man in that youth department. He's gone on to be a pastor and set up churches in London, and his real passion, though, believe it or not, what he believes he'll do one day is pastor the world's largest multicultural church. And so I believe he's a great fit. Uh, for what we're endeavoring to do today. So let me tell you just a little bit about Pastor David Bluen. Some of you all may remember him. He served at Faith Christian Center for several years there at Faith Christian Center as well in Smyrna. And so he's the husband and father, minister of the gospel. He believes that it's true, that as true Christians, we should uh, purpose to glorify God in all that we say and do. His no-nonsense, real-life teaching style is straightforward, humorous, and easy to understand and apply. With the support of his beautiful wife, Paula, he currently serves as campus pastor at Impact Church Orlando. Davis desires to impact Central Florida by reaching the lost, discipling the found, and then strengthening the family. 
through the teaching and uh, through te- through the teaching and doing of God's word. Uh, Pastor David is excited and proud to be a part of the vision that God has given to Bishop George L. Davis, Impact 7 and beyond. He's looking forward to all that God will do at Impact Church Orlando in the years to come. He's also known as a loving husband, proud father who firmly believes that his first ministry is to his family and his wife. They're the proud parents of two sons. And so without any further ado, we know Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their job is to perfect the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry, which will edify and build up the body of Christ. Linked Up Church, would you help me in giving a warm welcome to the ministry gift of Pastor David Bloom? just lift up our hands and let's give God all the glory, all the honor and all the praise. Come on. Father, you are God. There's none like you. You are the one true, only living God. You are Jehovah, the completely self-existing one, always present, revealed in Jesus who is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. You are God Almighty. And we honor you, we magnify you, and we thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you continue to do in our lives. One more time, just go ahead, lift up your hands, open up your mouth, and bless the Most High God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I do anything else on this morning, obviously giving honor to God, but I'll be remiss if I did not give honor to whom honor is due. Romans chapter 13, verse 7, it says, Render therefore to all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor is due. And I cannot think of any two people to whom honor is due than to your pastors. I believe that you all have the greatest pastors in the state of Georgia. And I said this at a youth camp back in Missouri. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. I said it then and I say it now again, even more so. God has found two perfect hearts in the two of you. And he's already begun to show himself strong. But I believe with all my heart, you ain't seen nothing yet. Anybody else believe that? You've not seen nothing yet. Now, I know that's not good. Uh, I know that's not good English, but you all understand that. Amen. And, And I thank God for the covenant relationship 20 plus years uh, that we've had. And, and, and I can say this honestly, man, they are 100. They keep it 100. What you see in here is what you see in real life. They are good people. We love them with all our hearts. Paula sends her love. And man, I, you know, I just thank God for what we have. And, and, and I thank God for the anointing. Come on, the anointing that rested on Jesus, that rests on your pastors. Rest on this pulpit, and it's the anointing today that will teach you, not me. 
just going to be the anointing on me that's going to teach you on today. And I always like to say it like this in Numbers chapter 22. If God could anoint a donkey to talk to the prophet Balaam, come on somebody, then he could anoint David Bluen to talk to you on today. Amen? Anybody believe that? Anybody believe the anointing is going to teach you something on today? Let's go ahead and bow our heads for a brief word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your presence that is so precious. We thank you that you're already removing burdens and destroying yokes. And Father, my prayer today is very simple. I pray that the entrance of your word will give light, that it will illuminate the hearts and minds of these, your people, that they'll get it, they'll see it, they'll believe it, they'll receive it, they'll do it, and their lives will never be the same. Father, as we move forward into this service, I covenant with you right now that my teaching and preaching shall not be with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of your spirit and your power, so that man's faith will not lie in the wisdom of men, but it shall forever stand in the power of God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. You are welcome in this place. Flow freely through every row, every aisle. Touch every heart and every mind. Put your supernatural thumbprint on the hearts and minds of these God's people. As always, Father, our purpose to be responsive to, controlled, guided, and led by you in all that I say and do. And I covenant with you now in advance to give you and you alone all the glory, the honor, and the praise for what shall manifest in this service and beyond. Pray this prayer in the highest authority of all, the mighty, matchless, majestic, miraculous, miracle-working name of your holy child, Jesus, by his blood. And all in agreement with that prayer said, amen. amen. So be it. You can go ahead and love on two or three people and be seated, please. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to please turn to the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 19 through 23. 1 Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And of course, today being National Diversity Day, natural National Diversity Day, I'd like to say, Bon dia, senores and senores, hermanos y hermanos, Deus abenço which means good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning, my brothers and sisters. God bless you. I got a little, a little, a little Spanish one, too. You want the Spanish one, too? Hola, Dios de la bendiga. All right, all right, all right. We're going we to we make sure that we stay in the theme of this. Amen? And, and what the Lord has put on my heart, again, what, what Pastor Gregory said was right on point. I believe with all my heart that God wants a church that looks like heaven. How many of y'all know there's no white section in heaven, no black section in heaven? Come on, somebody. It's just everybody all together. And I believe that's what God wants here. So the title of my message today is Unity in Diversity. Unity in Diversity. And I wanted to uh, just make this statement. So for those that are taking notes, you can write this down. Unity in Diversity is actually the highest possible attainment of society. Unity in diversity is actually the highest possible attainment 
of society, and for that matter, any entity, a family, a business, any entity at all. In fact, it, unity and diversity, is a testimony to the limitless possibilities of the human race. In fact, it, unity and diversity, is a testimony to the limitless possibilities of the human race. And the attainment of this, the attainment or how we obtain this unity and diversity, watch this, is made possible to us by creating and implementing a culture whereby we all share the same set of core values, beliefs, and practices, which in turn will produce liberty, peace, and unity for all people of every race, creed, and national origin. In fact, it, unity and diversity, is a testimony to the limitless possibilities of the human race. And the attainment of this, the attainment of this unity and diversity, <clears throat> is made possible by creating and implementing a culture. Now, how many of y'all know a culture is just how we do what we do? A culture whereby we all share the same set of core values, beliefs, and practices, which in turn will produce liberty, peace, and unity for all people of every race, creed, and national origin. And I just like to say it like this. Our true strength lies in our differences, not in our similarities. Our true strength lies in our differences, not in our similarities. And I'm sure you've all heard this before, where in the old covenant, if two people were coming together and they cut covenant, you may have a warrior and a farmer. Well, that's two different people. They have two different skill sets. The warrior can protect and fight and take over lands and the farmer can grow food. Now they're different, but yet when they cut covenant and come into covenant together, come on somebody, now they wipe out each other's weaknesses and they only have strengths. Think about it. If the warrior's out there fighting and he runs out of food, he can't fight very long if, if he's hungry. And, and, the, and, and, the, and the farmer can't protect himself hmm? if he's growing all that food. But when they cut covenant, purpose of covenant is to give the advantage to, not take advantage of. I'm giving you the advantage. You need this food to fight. So even if my family goes without food, you're going to have food so you can fight and protect us. And I'm going out there to fight for you. And even if my family gets injured or killed, I'm going to fight for you and your family. That's the truth of covenant. And so even though they're strong in different ways, they help to wipe out each other's weaknesses. Together, they just have strength and no weakness. Another good natural example that a lot of you all can relate to of unity and diversity is husbands and wives. Do I have any husbands and wives in here today? Come on, let's encourage the single folk. Do I have any husbands and wives? Yeah, glory! Woo! Come on, somebody. Being married is a good thing. We want to encourage the single folks to be married. Uh, unity and diversity, you see that in husbands and wives. Even though we are one in the sight of God, we are still uniquely different. Now, I can't talk about you and your wife, but I can talk about me and my wife. We think differently. I think logically. <laughs> one plus one equals two, man, all day long. One plus one equals two. She thinks creatively. She's going to find a create, nothing wrong with it. And, and for the first three years of our marriage, I used to think God was playing a practical joke on me. 
I'm just going to be honest. But then as we grew together, watch this, I found out that our true strength is in our differences. She balances me. She's a perceiver. She's very to sin. I'm extremely black and white. But, but, but what we've helped each other do, because at first, again, it was difficult because we were so different. But yet I realized the beauty in what God has done has caused us to come together. And we have a perfect balance of black and white. And do you know what happens when you mix black and white? You get gray. Come on, somebody. I, I, I taught her and she's taught me that there's certain times you need to be black and white. And I told her that, that even though she could never be gray in an area, she could have a shade of black or a shade of white. Come on, somebody. There's different shades of black. Different shade. And what we found is that we have a perfect balance. Hmm? A perfect unity right in the middle of our diversity. Come on, I'm sure you've heard this before. Women, women, the way they think, they think like spaghetti. Everything is just tied together. Men are like waffles. We deal with a specific compartment and that's it. But watch this. When you put the two together, you've got a perfect balance. You've got perfect unity. And I say this all the time. I've been doing premarital counseling for 23, 24 plus years. And, I, and, I, and this was said to me. And so I, I share it with everybody. You know, obviously, God has an order for the family. It's the husband, it's God, the husband, the wife, the children. And it goes on from there. And, and, and basically, the man has the final word in the family. And the church said, Amen. but a wise man. Well, let me say this. A man of God will make his final word the word of God. I'm not just going to tell my family this is what we're doing because I feel like it. We're going to do this because this is what God has said. And then I always say this, especially to new young couples and even to some older ones that have maybe had some challenges. A man always has the final word. A man of God will make his final word the word of God, but a wise man. Do I have any wise men in here? Just, just raise your hand, brother. Just raise your hand by faith. Any wise man, a wise man will always consult with his wife before making a final decision. Why is that? Because she balances me. My wife balances me. I would not be who I am today had I not had unity through diversity. Amen. And so I want to read something to you before we get to the text. Are y'all turning there? We're coming. We're coming. But I, I just wanted to read this to you because it's scriptural as well. Uh, I want to read this to you. You don't have to turn there. You can write it down. First Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to read a small passage of scripture in verse 18 through 27. But I'm going to read it from the Message Bible because it really does justice to it. So unity and diversity is actually very scriptural as well. And we're going to really dig into it when we get to our text. It says the body isn't just a single blown up, isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all the different or we could say diverse but similar parts arranged and functioning together. If foot said, I am not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to this body, would that make it so? No. If ears said, I am not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want to remove it from the body? Absolutely not. If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. 
But I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are a part of. Ooh, I'm going to read that again. That just ministered to me. For no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you're a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster. What, what we have is one body with many different or diverse parts. Each its proper size and in its proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine eye telling hand, get lost, I don't need you? Or head telling foot, you're fired, your job has been phased out? As a matter of fact, in practice, it all works the other way. The lower the part, the more basic and therefore necessary. You can live without an eye, for instance, but not without a stomach. When it's part of your own body you are concerned with, it makes no difference whether the part is visible or clothed, higher or lower. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparison. Anybody ever bang their toe in the middle of the night? That's a baby toe, but you give it all the honor and dignity, the rest of your body. Come on, you're Christian, so you pass the cuss test and, you, you know, you, you take all the weight off that toe and put it on the other leg and you start rubbing and talking to that toe. Come on, anybody else beside me ever done that? Come on, we give that lower part dignity and honor. You give it dignity and honor just as it is without comparisons. If anything, you have more concern for the lower parts than the higher. If you had to choose, wouldn't you prefer good digestion to full-bodied hair? I didn't think I was going to get a whole lot of amens from the ladies on that one, but I, but I get it. Now watch this. This is what you want to get right here. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Somebody shout, unity, unity. In, diversity. in diversity. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Come on, somebody shout it again. Unity, unity. In, diversity. in diversity. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. Now, I've given you some natural illustrations. I've given you scripture on it, but I want to paint a picture in your mind. If you don't walk away with anything else, then I want you to, to walk away with this, that unity in diversity is actually a reality. Come on, say that. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Unity, unity. in diversity, diversity is actually a reality. I need 12 men, 12 men. Just please come up on the platform. I want to show you something that you'll never forget. 12 men, please come up. 12 men. Excellent, excellent. 12 men. I just want you all, please, to just go ahead and line up on the side of me in a straight line like this here. Now, I want you to see this picture, okay? How many of y'all believe that these 12 men can sit down and not fall without a chair? Nobody, right? It's all right. I'm going to show you something right now. I'm going to show you something. Now, we have different men up here. We have 12 or however many came. Two, four, six, eight, ten. Ten. Ten is good. Two more coming? Okay. Two more. Come on. Come on. That's fine. Okay. Very good. Thank you. All right. Very good. Thank you. 
Are these men different? Stature, height, size, complexion, they're all different. Would you agree? But they can do something that you don't believe they can do. They can operate together in unity. Come on, somebody, even though they're different or diverse. Now, I want to show you this. If I asked you all to sit down right now without falling, and all of you sit down and not fall, go ahead and, and try. But don't hurt yourself. Go ahead and try. Just, just sit. You, you really can't. I mean, you're not sitting. You're resting on your legs. Okay? But now I'm going to show you how if we all come together, we all have a part to play, regardless of who we are, what part we are. We all have a part to play. I'm going to ask you all, please, to form a circle around me. Form a circle around me. And go shoulder to shoulder in that circle, an entire circle around me. I want you all to see this so that you can have a, a picture in your mind of, of unity and diversity. Come in shoulder to shoulder. Come in, come in, come in. Come in. We're good. All right? Now turn. Now, real simple. Turn to your right. The other right. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, 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 step in toward me one time and then put your, your toes behind the heel of the other person. Okay? Now, see, everybody's got a part to play. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's got to exert some type of energy and effort. Put your toes right up to the heels in front of you, and if you have to step in toward me a little bit more. Now, on the count of three. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. No, I got you, big fella. I got you. That, that's why I'm standing in the middle. Nobody's going to fall. Nobody's going to fall. But, but we're going to do it because of unity, not because of me. Okay. Now, on the count of three, slowly sit down like you're sitting on a chair. Slowly. One, two, three. Slowly. Slowly. There you go. <laughs> they are actually sitting down. This is unity in diversity because they're sitting on the knees of the man behind them. Folks, we all need each other. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you very much. We need each other regardless of what color we are, what country we come from what language we speak. Come on, somebody. We, we need each other. Now, now, the Apostle Paul really does a great job with this. Go, are you at 1 Corinthians chapter 9? Are you all there? What took you so No, no, I'm just kidding. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and let's go ahead and take a look at this now, and I want you to see how this really comes to life because Paul had a revelation to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we'll start reading in verse number 19. <clears throat> For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. And to those who are without the law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Highlight that phrase in your Bible. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be a partaker of it with you. 
Listen to this in the Amplified. Verse 22, to the weak, wanting in discernment, I have become weak, wanting in discernment, that I might win the weak and overscrupulous. I have, in short, become all things to all men, that I might by all means, at all costs, and in every way, save some by winning them to faith in Jesus Christ. The Message Bible says like this, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. We can't lose ourselves in culture. Come on, somebody. What you are is important, but it's never more important than who you are. We celebrate culture. I celebrate my culture. I am Portuguese predominantly. Uh, For those of you that are wondering, yes, I am Caucasian, but I know some of y'all don't believe that without a DNA test, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm, I'm Portuguese, but I'm also French. Got a little sprinkle of Native American in there. Got a little bit of everything in there. Amen. We got to realize something. Who we are is important. I I take very highly and I esteem highly my Portuguese culture and I speak Portuguese and I'm proud of it. But I'm not more proud of being Portuguese than I am than being a Christian. He said, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. Put yourself in someone else's shoes and try and see life how they see it. Yes, I am Caucasian, but my children are mixed. My wife is African-American. That might upset some people, but that's okay. You know why? Because in Christ, it really doesn't matter. Because being a Christian is more important than being a multiracial family. So for me, a lot of people will say, well, you know, you get to live that white privileged life. Well, maybe I do. Maybe I don't. Come on, somebody. But what about my sons? See, I've got to teach them how to grow up in this world as well. I'm not in fear. I've got the word of God. Come on, somebody. I've got God on my side. And I've got to realize that what we are in our national diversity and culture is not important than who we are in Christ. And understand something. I believe God loves diversity because if he didn't, we wouldn't have all the different people that we have in the world. But what we do is we fight about our differences instead of embracing our differences. Can can, can I just be real? Racism, hatred, violence. Everybody's looking for a solution, a political answer or or police work, which is all valuable and, and helpful in some kind of way. But really, the problem It's not even natural. It's spiritual. The reason why we have hatred and violence and and racism is because of sin. Now, Jesus has taken care of a sin issue. Anybody, Jesus has taken care of your sin issue in here. Sin has been taken care of, but there's another part to it. Ignorance. Ignorance. And and, and let let me just say this. Paul said... I've become, I'm free. Nobody made me do this. Nobody played any mind games with me that this is what you need to do to get to this position. I chose to do this. Why? Because he realized it's more important to win some to Christ than it is to fight over how different we are. And he took the time. I became all things to all men. That's a process, folks. You've got to understand people. You've got to gain knowledge of people. You've got to know who people are and how they function and flow. Hmm? this the reason why we have a lot of the division and fighting and violence and all these people getting killed for no reason other than the color of their skin is because of ignorance 
Write this down, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. It said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now, in context, it's talking about lack of knowledge of God. But regardless of what context you look at it at, a lack of knowledge is very dangerous to us. Watch this, because a lack of knowledge, or we could call it ignorance, ignorance breeds fear. Fear breeds hatred and division. And hatred and division breeds violence. And violence breeds death and destruction. It's a process. And the enemy, he knew what he was doing when he tried to use that against us. Because Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And as long as he's got us fighting about the color of our skin, the way we talk, the way we worship, the way we do this, the way we do that, then we are not doing what we were put here to do, which is to win the lost, disciple the found. Come on, somebody. That's what we're here to do. Help people to grow in Christ. And Paul got this thing figured out, man. He said that that's 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 a trick of the enemy. I'm not going to let this catch me up cares what color your skin is be proud of who you are but who cares does that really make a difference does it really no does it make a difference that I speak a different language than you no but see it's that ignorance that really hurts people that ignorance is what really hurts people and I can use a a a personal example of this Uh, as I said earlier my wife and I we are we are a multiracial blended family For those that don't know me, I got five kids with three different women. Come on, somebody. I made mistakes in my life. I am not perfect. Amen. But God didn't judge me and God still saw fit to use me. So regardless of where you are, he can still use you. Well, when my wife and I got together, I was the youth pastor in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, she came out there. Now, I'm telling the story. If she ever gets an opportunity to tell a story, she can tell it her way. She said the Lord told her to go out there. I said the Lord brought her out there for me. Come on, somebody. And when she got out there, we, we, she started serving in the youth department. And uh, then we started dating. And, of course, we got married and went on from there. Well, her mom came out to visit when we were dating and just about in the engaged stage. And her mom took some pictures and we went up on the mountain and had a good time. And then she went back home and she showed her dad. And he looked at the picture and he said, boy, he awfully liked. <laughs> and her mama don't, don't cut no, nah, he not like, he white. <laughs> Watch this. He not going to marry my daughter. We hear about it the other way, but it happens every way. Because the enemy don't care how he divides. And, and he said it. He called her up and said, if you marry that white boy, I am not going to the wedding. Pastor Gregory, you were the best man in my wedding. Was he there? No, he wasn't. Her cousin walked her down. Now, he said, now watch this, because I want to show you how we can overcome this. It's just ignorance. He just didn't know white people. And the only experience he had with white people was a bad one. He grew up in Alabama. He's 79 years old. That'll tell you something. They didn't treat black folks right in the South at the time he was growing up and had to flee to Connecticut because he got into a fight with a white guy who mistreated him and, and his wife and some other people. So all he knew is white people are wrong. And so when she said that, I said, look, that's your dad. As long as we are single, we're not married yet. You honor your dad. I would go and sit out in the car 
let her go in, greet her dad. I sit out in the car, eight mile in Stansbury, just sit there <laughs> praying in the Holy Ghost. But my words were this. The only reason why he hates me is because he don't know me. I said, so as soon as he gets to know me and see how good I take care of his daughter and how much I love his daughter, he's going to love me. This man is not going to be able to resist me <laughs> because love never fails. So if I watch this, if I operate in love, which is just responding to insult, injury and injustice with positive, aggressive acts of good. If I act in love, then love will beget love and he'll love me back. Now, there's a process. I got to get to know this man. He loved race car driving. So I was not a race car driving fan. I'm a basketball, baseball, football kind of guy. So I've got to study. I've got to get on the Internet. I've got to find out what it is that makes him tick so that when I do get an opportunity to talk to him, I can I can talk to him about something that's good to him. And so that's what I did. I studied it out. Anytime she talked to him and I was there in the car, I said, tell your dad I love him and have a great day. I said, this, I hate this white boy. Why is he saying I love you? Okay. So then just before we got married, my wife took a trip back to Detroit, sat down with him and said, look, dad, right now we're single, but we're about to get married. And, 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 and this is, no, actually, this was after we got married because he didn't show up for the wedding. So after we, we got transferred back to Detroit and um, she went to the house one time by herself and she said, look, this is the one and only time unless you change what you're doing. We are one. Him and I are one. If he's not welcome, I'm not welcome. And that was hard for her to do. And said, if we're not welcome, then our children, when we have children, are not welcome. So he changed his heart. And what he did was he said, OK, have him come over for Christmas. Now, this is my first interaction with the man. We pull up. He's outside shoveling snow. First thing I did, take off my gloves, shake his hand. How are you, Mr. McIntyre? Pleasure to meet you, sir. Grabbed the shovel, started shoveling snow with him. Started shoveling and shoveled the snow until the whole driveway, sidewalks, and everything was done. And he just kept looking at me like, it's cold, man. Go outside. I said, no, nah, I'm good. Why? Because love never fails, folks. Lo love never fails. Love never fails. We get ready to go in the house. He said, David. I was a white boy before, not David. <laughs> well, I'm showing you something. There can be unity and diversity. David, sit in my chair. My wife looked at him and said, you don't even let me sit in your chair. <laughs> sit in my chair. And then I just started talking to him about race cars. Started talking to him. Let me see, I'm just a regular human being, just like he's a human being. And sometimes, folks, it's not personal. Just got to give people space to be human. Just let them be a human being because that's what we all are. My mom, we, we had a mentality in our house growing up that there's one race, the human race. There's one nationality, and it's called humanity. That's it. And, and in our house, what we did is we treated people the way that we want to be treated. And if we don't do anything else other than that, that's what we need to do. See, we have to set up a culture. And the culture is just how we do what we do. Because understand something, the world is broken. The world ain't going to fix it. It's up to the body of Christ to fix what's broke. And the only way we can do that, and hear me well when I say this, is we have to develop a culture. 
And a culture comes two different ways. Obviously, education, which we just talked about, and then a code of values. There's a code of values that we need to implement. And when we do that, it changes the environment. Anybody ever shop at Publix? Man, I love shopping at Publix. I'll drive farther and spend more money at Publix to avoid Walmart. Uh, No offense to anybody that works at Walmart. But watch this. One culture or one environment is life-giving. And for me, for David Bluen, one one environment is life-threatening. I just just don't do well in that environment. And, and, And so... If you think about it, when you go to Publix, man, you ask them for something, they would like, stop what they're doing. Let me take you right to where you want. I say, yeah, take me to where I want to go. Come on, somebody. Well, it's the same way in the body of Christ. And even if you just start this in your family, because really a church is just a collection of families. So I'm going to give you quickly in these last four minutes, I'm going to give you just some core values that we can start working on. And then I'm going to pray for you. I'm led to just pray for you and pray a prayer that Jesus prayed Is that okay? All right. First one is being authentic. These are core values. Now, now, again, you can turn to or you can just put it up on the screen probably for time's sake so I can honor the time. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. I'm going to read this to you from the Message Bible. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. One of the core values that we must live by is just being authentic. And it simply means be without pretense or any need to impress. We walk around our entire life trying to impress people that ain't going to do anything for us. Means to be accountable to one another out of genuine relationship with no man-made hierarchies of importance or undue emphasis on titles but each individual serving the vision that God is apportioned to our church family. You can do that to your own personal family as well. Just just be real. Just be who you are. You know, one of the things that my wife did, she sent me a text this morning. She said, babe, just be the best David Blue you can be. That's all I can do, man. I can't be. As much as I respect and admire Pastor Gregory, I'd be a terrible Pastor Gregory, but I'm a great David Blue But yet I have people like Pastor Joe Gregory in my life with an authentic relationship where over the last 20 years, we could just be real with each other about things that were hurtful to both of us. We need that. We can't do life alone, folks. We need each other. Come on, elbow your neighbor. Say, I need you. You need me. We need each other. And can I just say this about about accountability? When it comes to accountability, you need to realize something. You need to be accountable to somebody. And the reason why is because sin's power lies in secrecy. If it's a secret, sin will always have power over you. Just think about David and Bathsheba. It went from voyeurism to double murder just because, shh, nobody knows. God knows everything. So be accountable and be whole. I found that being accountable to people Pastor Gregory has the right that if he sees me getting ready to run my life and my family off a cliff, he has the right to come pull my coat and and lock me down so I don't ruin stuff. That's what we need in our life. We need accountability. And I'll give you one more as we close. And this one right here is actually, I had four, but these are the only two that I really believe I need to share today. And that's the other one is this, being generous, being authentic, 
and being generous, which means this is a culture that thinks of others instead of us. And the scripture that I'll share with you on this one is Matthew, gospel according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. It says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Message Bible says, here is a simple rule of thumb. Guide for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then grab the initiative and do it for them first. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. Does anybody like being lied to? Then don't lie to people. Does anyone like being disrespected? Don't disrespect people. As much as life within you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, manage your side of the relationship and let God deal with them. And just be at peace. You know, we, we, we grew up with this in our house. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. But my mama, my grandmama, everybody said, you're going to treat people the way you want to be treated. And so I'm just respectful. You know, it's a compliment to me when people see my children today, 10 and 7. Boy, your boys are so well-mannered and so respectful. It's because we live by that rule in my house. You are polite. You honor people. You respect people. Come on, somebody. You do the right thing. But you know what? People only know what they know. And if they don't do know, if they don't know better, they can't do better. And so it's up to us to show the ones that don't know better how to do better. Anybody with me on that? Those two things right there, I guarantee you, if you take those things, you will create an environment where people will just walk into it and they'll be impacted and affected immediately. Impacted and affected immediately. There'll be a connection and you'll have what we talked about today, unity and diversity. Go ahead and bow your heads. I just want to pray over you today. There's a prayer that Jesus prayed for us. So I want to pray this prayer for you on today. John 17, Jesus said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I pray for every single person in this place that they'll get a revelation of the fact that unity and diversity is actually a reality in their marriage on their jobs, in this church, in this state, and throughout the entire body of Christ. Father, reveal to them that there's really only one enemy, and he's under our feet. I pray that they'll all be of one heart, one mind, and one speech. That they'll all move forward, reach higher, and do better together. I pray that your perfect will be done in their lives on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. No one should be moving, walking, or talking right now except those assigned. Every head bowed, every eye closed in prayer. There may be somebody in here today. We talked about Jesus. Just prayed a prayer that Jesus prayed. Prayed that we'd all be one. But, but, but you're not saved. You're not born again. If that's you,
and you're in here today and you've never prayed a prayer that I'm going to